dare you touch the son of Odin? <laughs> That's what I'd like to say to the director of this. hi Oh! I'm Andrew Fantasia. I'm Ryan J. Whitehead. And this is Infinity Rewatch. Yes. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for liking and subscribing the Rebel Scum Podcast Network. If you haven't done so already, I take back that thank you. <laughs> and make sure you do it. And then yeah. I'll thank you after the fact. Well, we're coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not some kind of guy who looks into the future and thanks you for something you haven't done yet. That's not my power. <laughs> All right. So, so Fantasia, what mm. do you get... When you mix Game of Thrones with Marvel Comics. I would love to see that happen, because you know what didn't do what you just said? <laughs> Thor the Dark World. <laughs> that is right. So Thor, uh, Thor 2 Dark World, they, they realized, they even admitted that at this point around, they're going to try something new, because they realized that Thor wasn't quite what they were hoping and envisioning, so they want to take it one step further. And it was a promising start. They said, hey, look, Game of Thrones is doing well. We got a Game of Thrones director. And, uh, and we're going to give it a Game of Thrones aesthetic. And, yeah. and I will say, it, aside from the Dark Elves, it did look better. Thor looked better. Um, you know, he didn't look as uh, bleached blonde as uh, That's the true. first time around. Yeah, he was pretty bleached the first uh, time. Sif looked pretty much the same, but she looked a little more grittier. Um, and uh, Thandral, they finally got Zachary Levi after mm-hmm. uh, after the original actor. You know the whole scheduling. I'm not conflict. gonna lie, I love Zachary Levi, but I really prefer Josh Dallas in this role. Uh, he's I, just he's just so charming. I don't know. Watch Once I, Upon a Time. He's I, the most char- He literally plays Prince Charming. <laughs> he's the most charming man yeah. in the world. Uh, I would like to, but yeah. And then, uh, but okay. So let's let's just let's just deep dive right into this let's do it we'll start at the beginning which yeah. is a good place to start mm-hmm. not the best place but a good place um did you notice that this is the first time we get the sort of i guess official mcu theme music mm-hmm. over the marvel logo yes this is the first time it happened yeah um it's kind of a shame that this was the first time it happened uh and we we get that uh we get that opening which sounds like the opening of the thor one mm-hmm. but if you remember in, in the episode we did on thor one we commented on how cool it was that you have odin doing this voiceover setting up this bizarro world that they created but it has a purpose because not only is he setting up the world for viewers mm-hmm. he is not just talking into a vacuum he he is telling a story to his two sons yes in this one they just go to the stock fantasy trope where he is literally just talking in a vacuum and he's like the, the dark elves of Mahakaheim. Um, and I'm like, wow, where's this going? Who's Odin talking to? He's talking to nobody. Yeah. He's just telling the audience yeah. words. And... and well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, these are my words, yes. Um, so, okay, so first of all, yes. And he mentions Malekith right out of the gate. So you knew you were getting a new comic book character. You got mm. Malekith. Um, and he doesn't feel like a great character right out of the gate. He looks bland. I can't imagine why you'd say that. <laughs> he looks bland. Um, and on top of that, Malekith is actually a really cool looking character in the comics. He's actually a half dead, half alive elf. Oh, cool, man. Uh, yeah. So he looks, so part of, one side of him looks like a zombie. The other side looks like a living version of himself. So that's why he's like Malekith the accursed. Yeah. Um, but we don't get that until technically we get it later on. Uh, and then we also get Curse, who is also a comic book uh, character, um, but we don't also don't get his form, quote unquote, uh, till later on. Anyway, so we get this battle, 
uh, and they introduce the ether, a liquid power source. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they and they have even Odin's father, uh, uh, Bor, I think his name is, uh, and they uh, they have him in there. So they already introduce a lot of different elements to the, the story here. Uh, and they say they're going to hide it where no one will find it. And, of course, when Asgardians means they're going to hide it, they're going to hide it on Midgard because Midgard is beneath Asgardians. Yes. So that's that. Um, and then we get then we get something cool. Um, we get the Loki trial scene where Loki's mm-hmm. walking up to Odin. Um, and uh, and Od- uh, Loki explains that he came to Midgard as a benevolent god. He wanted to rule them because he believes his birthright was to rule. And again, Anthony Hopkins just owning those scenes, man, where he's oh, just he's... like, your birthright was to die. Like, <laughs> just like, I would hate, I, well, as an actor, I would be so intimidated to be uh, in a scene with Anthony Hopkins because yeah. when he when he needs to own a, like, own a moment, he says it with such like tenacity that it just mm. oh it just shocks you to the core i feel like initially i i, I thought i would feel the same way like intimidated because he's so good but mm-hmm. i feel like anthony hopkins is one of those actors who even though he's magnificent he he doesn't t- like take himself super seriously and he has fun yeah and i feel like he would make me comfortable like he would joke around with me and stuff like that off camera mm-hmm. um and and I would be comfortable in his presence. I feel like there are some other actors who are very talented mm-hmm. who would just be like not cool people, you know? Uh, I don't want to yeah. point fingers, but there, you know, there's some other, you watch them and you're like, wow, this, this person would not be a pleasure to work with regardless of how good they are. Like they would <laughs> just, they would just chew me up and spit me out. But you really feel, and I put this in my thoughts actually, is that you really feel that. Oh, okay. You actually wrote thoughts. Yeah. In your thoughts. <laughs> um, it actually, not everything here is thoughts. It's just oh, certain moments. Some of it is prayers. Yeah. Some of it is lustful <laughs> um, dreams. Feelings. Yeah. I know. <laughs> uh, so I, but one thing I noticed, and I think what they were trying to do with Thor is it's really the story is centered around Odin, Loki, Frigga, and Thor. Mm-hmm. that's and and it's 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 shakespearean in the sense it's very focused around that family and this uh this this relationship of power yes between them and and that's why i love and that's and that's where our, once i saw odin saying your birthright was to die like that's i think that feels like such a shakespearean line like, yeah very much so. um so yeah uh so that was cool and then he's and then loki uh again tom hiddleston just owning that character and he's like, shall Thor like take over, you know, and rule? And he's like, after he cleans up your mess, yes. So we go to Vanaheim. Uh, we get to see more of Asgard finally. Now, before we hop to Vanaheim, I thought it was kind of cool how during that uh, trial of Loki, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't know this till after when the credits rolled, but this movie has, I think, three writers, mm-hmm. and two of them are Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, who mm-hmm. are the writers of Infinity War. And Endgame. Yeah. And I was shocked to see their names on this That's movie. That's true, yeah. Uh, and I noticed during Loki's trial especially, you could see that they were they were trying to keep the tone of that, that Joss Whedon sets in Avengers 1. Because mm-hmm. Joss Whedon has very distinct dialogue. And Loki has a line of dialogue during his trial that is 100% Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. That I felt like they were they were really trying to adhere to that where... Um, you know, Loki's just like, he's impatient. He doesn't care about the trial. And he tells Odin, he's like, you know, is this going to take much longer? He says, it's not that I don't love our little chats, mm-hmm. but 
I don't love them. Like that's such a Joss Whedon line. And mm-hmm. and so when I when I saw at the end that it was Marcus and McFeely, I was like, that makes sense because they they do have a lot of that that uh, that zing to their dialogue. Mm-hmm. But I was shocked that they were involved in this. I oh yeah, no I didn't even was. notice. Yeah, I didn't yeah. notice that. But it's true. I guess this is the time where they kind of really brought them on to yeah. to really build that story. Um, but we get the battle on Vanaheim, and again, what's cool about this is we see. And guys, that's Vanaheim, not Anaheim. Yeah. There were no Vikings fighting in Southern California. It's, that we know of. That we know of, yeah. Um, but what? I, again, we get to see a new world, but what do we see? Fields and trees. Fields and trees. Now, what was this battle all about exactly? Why were they in Vanaheim? Uh, because Loki... Uh, w- so basically, there was... Odin had a treaty with everybody. Well, well sorry, had a treaty with the Frost Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So uh, my guess is is because Loki uh, went to Asgard and he also Loki mentions in in Avengers that he went to worlds he's never even heard of and all this stuff, which also means to tell me he's probably traveled to the different realms as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I think that after the attack on uh, the attack on uh, Jotunheim uh, through the first movie, I think that definitely caused a rift with all the other realms and caused everything to go into chaos or mischief if you will Ooh, i will i will indeed and and not only that loki the other evidence is that loki finds different doorways through um through asgard he doesn't use heimdall so that that's where the other he's got a back door yeah so that's where the other battle comes from so and we're seeing all sorts of villains now what i love about the scene first of all is this is where we kind of really see Thor exercise his power outside of Avengers mm-hmm. in terms of fighting. And it's nice to see him, again, fight on different levels, like fighting someone one-on-one, using his powers. Like, the first thing you see is he comes out of the portal and just yeah. slams the ground, and it feels so good. Um, and, and the comedy is there. We're seeing a little bit more of the funnier side of Thor, yeah. where he comes in, and he's like, she's like, I had this complete under control. And he's like, is that why everything's on fire? And then, like, <laughs> you know, they're all in the brawl. Um, and then through the brawl, we get to see uh, our first Cronin, uh, one of uh, Korg's wonderful people, the rock people. Those guys. Oh, yeah. my God. That totally escaped me. Yeah, that's a Cronin. That's a Cronin. The big guy that he takes Where down. they're all cheering on the big rock guy, yeah. and he comes in and knocks out the dude. Yeah, that's a Cronin. Uh, wow. Yeah. I see. This is why... This is why your, your, your knowledge comes in. <laughs> yeah. like so this. so what what's interesting about this, because this is way before Ragnarok, uh-huh. way before Ragnarok, um, and it's nice to see Cronin because it was also the only other time we saw Cronin was in uh, Planet Hulk. Ooh, So okay. we, yeah. we were seeing a kind of a nod to Planet Hulk there and getting, getting the Cronin that I love that he's like, he's like, uh, I accept your surrender. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then everyone's laughing. And again, like this was smart. This was a good. This was a good place to start with Thor. A little bit more lighter, cockier mm-hmm. Thor. And we love to see that humor um, outside of this Shakespeare storytelling. And I, I kind of agree. Like when you when you get Loki and Odin and Thor in one room, yeah, make it more serious and intense. But when Thor is like not around, it's like you know when you're, when your parents are strict and you're not around your parents, you're going to be a lot more fun and oh, looser. Yeah. So it was nice to see that that element. Um, when my parents aren't around, I do all the drugs. Mm-hmm. All the drugs. Oh, hey, mom, what's up? 
Yeah, and you I watch. Uh, I said rugs. No, no, you, you. Uh, what is it? You watch uh, HBO Skinaflix or? Yeah, Skinamax. <laughs> Skin- That's my jam. <laughs> That's your jam, right? My favorite show is Nudes at Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a nice battle. It's fun. Um, and then we see. Uh, so he clears the battle. He tells. Uh, he tells. Uh, what's his name? Uh, tells Hogan that hey, the battle is fought. Well done. Yay! Yes. Enjoy your time here in Vanaheim. I'm gonna go home. And he goes to see his dad, uh, Odin. And then not only did we see the Ravens in Avengers, but this time we get a more pronounced look at the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 Hugin and Munin, I think is the name. And they act as spies for Odin, so Odin can see everything. Um, so, yeah, uh, they were actually seen uh, in the original Thor, and we did miss this. Uh, I definitely missed it. But you actually see them sitting on Odin's throne during Thor's coronation. Oh, wow. So, yes. So, we have seen these birds a lot. Um, You know, for those of us who like bird watching. Me! Ryan's fiance is a bird watcher. Yep, she's got bird. I love watching them birds. There's only Ryan wearing ornithology. Yeah. Yeah. You missed her calling, right? With bird goggles and everything, so. Binoculars! (laughs) Plus, birds have... Birds have the best names. You could, like, look out the window and be like, there's a tit hatch. (laughs) And you it's wouldn't be wrong. It is, yeah. See? No, yeah, no, yeah. And it's also boobies. Boo, yeah. Anyway, back to nerdy stuff. Uh, anyway, so yeah, we get the birds are nerdy enough. Yeah. Um, and then so Odin talks about you know how Thor's distracted, mm-hmm. and then we finally get the nod of the Lady Sith and Thor love story that could have happened, yeah, movie, but it didn't. But it could have happened. Um, so, yeah, there was a nice nod there because he says instead of looking ahead, you should look at what's in front of you. Um, so I'm going to be real. You know, if I if I had a choice between Lady Sif and Jane Foster, I'd pick Lady Sif. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. She was – I don't know if you're a fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but that was like her yes. first big TV role. You, you know, yeah, she, she was in um, – it was like one of their first episodes where the group on the show um, uses their bar to host a prom and they start like hanging out with – kids who are way too young for them and okay. she, lady sif jamie alexander she plays like the the hot girl in the school and she's like flirting with one of the main characters and he's like oh my god if i do anything with you it's totally illegal but damn you're hot uh but yeah i love lady sif she's cool oh yeah. she's awesome actually how she got that role um she actually has a big thing for knives and blades and swords as we all do and when when she heard about the possibility for the role she went in for an interview and they were like, oh, okay, yeah, they got to know her. And they were like, all right, okay, cool, cool, we'll let you know if you if you got the role or whatever. And she, apparently, the way the story goes is, yeah, they were considering her, but what sold it was she knocked over her bag by accident and knives came out of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> and and then they go, oh, wow, what's that? And then she explains her love for swords and knives and stuff like that. And then oh, they're like, accidentally Yeah. Well, it's not every day you just walk around with knives and swords, right? So. That was a very serendipitous yeah. piece of tripping she did. Um, and and you know what? She's we gotta we gotta give uh, Jamie Alexander props. She's she's a trooper in that. I think she's one of the only actors who uh, transitioned into Agents of Shield. Yeah, she's uh, she's one of the ones that come from the movie and. Uh, aside from Nick Fury and uh, being a movie, absolutely. Yeah, that was actually a really good episode because we actually got two characters. Um, I can't remember the other Asgardian's name that was in it, but she's like essentially she's an off, she's an off character of the Enchantress, Lorelai. 
Yes. But yeah. she is a character from the comic books as well. And we were anytime Agents of Shield actually introduced a character from the comics, everyone just lost their mind. Yes. Like just and lost their mind. They they could have stood to do it a little bit more, mm-hmm. but they didn't. But that's okay. That's okay. Hey, um, we got John Garrett. That's good enough for me. Yeah. Uh, and then we we jump back to Midgard for a bit. Um, yep. But before we do, I wanted to to ask you about because you mentioned okay they hide the ether. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the ether is in sort of that void. Mm-hmm. Where is that void? Because even Heimdall can't see it. So when he, when he can't see where that place is, yeah. that's when I start to get worried. Well, sir, uh, I'm glad you asked because really there is no actual answer. Ooh, okay. There isn't. But what I will say is that we are dealing with the reality stone. So it's maybe an off-dimension reality. It's a bridge between worlds kind of thing. Okay, honest answer. Mm-hmm. What are the odds that Void Place is Christine Everhart slash Annihilus's lair? The negative zone. Yeah, and she's been she's been keeping it there. No. Biding no. her time for phase five. <laughs> biding her time mm-hmm. when she can strike. I, I You're really committed to this joke. Guys. I am 100% committed to <laughs> it's still a joke. what is not a joke, <laughs> what is actually going to happen. And when it happens... You will thank me. I will eat my phone. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Could the, it be the negative zone? It could be. Yeah. It very well could be because it does reside as an alternate dimension to mm-hmm. Earth. So it's very possible. Um, so taking us to that point, let's let's go to where Jane is. So Jane, yes. we finally see Jane in London, and she's on it being being Jane lame. Jane Foster. Yeah, Jane being lame. And how great was it? To see Eric Selvig running naked around. <laughs> well, and that's the, th- and again, I think that's a missing part of the story where like we don't need this romantic sitcom where like, like I again like, he, he's also an example of he had a god in his brain, and now he's off on these crazy ramblings. Yeah, I'm gonna get to an, another Easter egg scene later. Um, Have you ever seen the movie Halloween Three: Season of the Witch? No. I'm bringing that one day mm-hmm. so we can watch it. Um, mm-hmm. Stonehenge plays a, a crucial part mm-hmm. in that movie. And when I saw this, um, again, I, I, I was saying this last time too on Iron Man 3, and it goes the same for this, where I have not watched Thor The Dark World since the theater. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it was completely forgotten for me. I'm so, sure you're not alone in that. Uh, I'm, sure I'm, not, I'm sure some <laughs> people blocked it on a purpose. Um, yeah. But when I saw him dancing around Stonehenge naked, I immediately thought of Halloween 3 Season of the Witch mm-hmm. and how much I love that movie. Two pieces. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. So um, yeah, I would have loved to see a little bit more deeper dive into it. But you see Jane having this date, kind of just uh, is totally un- totally irrelevant to the entire story. Um, with but, the guy from Bridesmaids. With the guy, always, from, I love that fun. guy. Yeah. He's a fun character. He's also an IT crowd, and he plays a hilarious character. In that. <laughs> uh, but this is where it gets interesting. So Jane. Uh, Jane's friend um, comes out, whose name is Darcy. Darcy. Darcy comes out and explains that her equipment's starting to work again, and that you know she's been obsessing over Thor. Blah blah blah. And I love the intern joke. I thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. I love the, the the intern's intern. Uh, is his name Andrew? Yeah, uh, Ian. 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 Thank you. I on, wanted, he I says it like name. five times. The- I wanted his name to be Andrew. Is what I mean. <laughs> so, so. Uh, this is what's cool. This is why I find what was interesting. This was definitely another one of my lovely little thoughts in the film. Um, is that so? Jane follows the source of the signal, mm-hmm. and we get the first look at the the first at the ether. Now, what I like about it is 
this is something that's so small, but I love that they introduced this, is that we see um, the subtle effects of the reality stone. Yes. The truck is floating. Mm-hmm. The, the, they throw the bottles down. They didn't play up. They didn't play up the mystery of it enough. But it's kind of cool to see that uh, that we're seeing subtle effects of a, an Infinity Stone in action. Mm-hmm. Because not only that, she gets sucked into what could be the negative zone, uh, and she's able to grab it and absorb it. And and then when we come back, Darcy's like, "You've been gone five hours." So we're seeing a lot of time distortion. Uh, and also reality distortion as well for Jane, which is really cool. Um, and then we go back and we see Thor, uh, you know, looking far away. Now, also, what's interesting, too, is, again, um, uh, we at this point still don't know that there's Infinity Stones. Right. We still don't. We find out in this movie, though, which we, was interesting. Yes. Another thing I totally forgot. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Probably, in, in my mind, one of the best end credit sequences ever. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so we get this scene of reality distortion. So I thought it was really cool. Um, Thor going back to see Jane again. Fun. Mm. It's kind of fun to have that humor, but it's, it's kind of cheesy romantic comedy stuff. But what I will say, which is really well done from a writing standpoint Mm. is this is the next obvious step forward. Whereas Thor one was Thor leaves the magic realm, comes to earth. Yeah. So to me, logically, if you're making Thor 2, it's got to be about Jane leaves Earth and goes to Asgard. Mm-hmm. And that's and I'm so glad they did that. I think they underused that. I think that Jane spends way too much time just being like, ooh, Thor, let's stand on this balcony. Like, girl, explore. Yeah. You are in Asgard. What are you... I know his muscles are nice, yeah. but... Look over the, see, look out that they're, balcony. They're even abandoning the idea that she's an astrophysicist. Like the only thing, the only moment where where we get is where she understands that the Soul Forge is a quantum whatever yeah. it is. But at the same time, she now is in a world that's supposed to be mythology. Oh my god! It's supposed like, to be mythology. She and she doesn't care. There, you could have had like a five six minute sequence of just her having fun in Asgard. And like walking into like shops mm-hmm. in the Asgardian marketplace and be like, oh my god, what's this? What? Yeah. And like just losing her mind. And yeah, losing her mind over every little detail, yeah. like flying horses, or like, or just like the fact that yeah, they have this like technology that's so mind blowing. Like, where is all the scientist curiosity if she's supposed to be a scientist? Mm-hmm. Like, I get she's sick because the aether's in her, but like, mm. you don't, you know, she she has moments of perfect lucidity, so take advantage of those and they they didn't yeah they they, they took the the right next step by bringing her to asgard um by but nah it just didn't work for me no and yeah so and then we get uh, so here's this this, now again there's some cool elements boiling up here so we get malekith in this floating ship that's just like you know he's kind of just hanging from it pretty Mm. cool so then we finally get the accursed uh and he gets his uh he gets that little dark energy in his body and he has to he gets thrown in as Don't a you hate when that happens when you get dark energy in your body oh yeah it's the into a worst the Ugh. worst oh god it's hard to shower too oh it's, it's just Ugh. terrible um so he gets to go to prison and i like that we see the asgard prison mm-hmm. and we see loki in there which is pretty fun um so and this is and again one one thing they do really well in this is they drive the stakes up between loki and thor and that's really fun. yes really fun 
So, um, so yeah, Jane's in the, so we get the explanation of the ether. It's this liquid form can't be destroyed. Uh, and so, uh, Jane's on the planet as well. And she's, she meets Heimdall for the first time. She just ignores the fact that it's Heimdall. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so we get all the story experience and then they find out that, yeah, she's got this energy in her. Um, uh, and, uh, and so then Malekith invades Asgard. The great scene again, something you could have done a little bit more with. Uh, and you know, it's cool. Heimdall comes running out, takes out the ship. That and, is that yeah. is a great moment. Heimdall's just such a boss, man. Oh, he's I love so him. he's so badass. Um, yeah, I gotta I gotta touch on these bad guys for a second here. Go for it. Um, now going into this movie, I was really excited because I'm a big Doctor Who fan, so I I like Christopher Eccleston. Um, I was excited to see him as, as mm-hmm. Malekith. And I love um, Arewali Akimiwe Agbaje, who plays Curse. Is that his name? Curse? Uh, the, other... the, the Accursed. The Accursed. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, these two tag teaming as villains. And I think this is our first time having a villain duo. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's or, true. Yeah. I, I guess Arnim Zola counts as a second villain. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. 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 Captain America, yeah, that was two villains. So, but but I was like, I was really digging that idea. I'm like, oh my God, these two actors who I think are great. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I want to see them go up against Thor, especially um, like Triple A, because his name is too long to say, so let's call him Triple A. He is such like a big, imposing presence on Lost. That guy was like the scariest dude on the island, even though he was like a sweetheart. Like I, I wanted to see him go up against Thor, like Braun versus Braun. Like, how are these two gonna clash? Yeah. And both of these guys were just so bland. I know. It, no, actually, sorry. It is Curse, by the way. It is just Curse, curse? but it's spelled K U R S E. But yeah, no, it's it's true. They are both such bland characters. Now, Curse in the comics, he is a bland character. Malekith, though, is a very complicated character, and there's a lot of layers to him because you find out through the comic that he's actually trying to resurrect his people because his people got wiped. Right. Just flat out wiped out. And they do mention this in the movie. Yes. He was, his, his, he lost, he lost a war of light versus dark, if you will. But he, he you don't was, see him caring for that. He just cares news. about this ether. Um, I, I have this, this metric I use to gauge like how good a villain is. And I don't think it'll work on you because you're just, you're so, wait, damn- is this like the same metric that, you know, bless, bless, um, bless our teacher's heart. Oh my God. Oh Jesus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, is this the same, uh, approach that our, our wonderful text analysis teacher Sujith came up with, which is like, um, the, the motivation action, Oh no no! It's no. nowhere near that profound. It's, oh, okay. it's a very it's a very simple. So what is one. this metric you have? So my metric, and I don't think it'll work on you because you're really good at at catching details and keeping them locked in. Mm. But my metric for a, a good villain is if I ask um, a, a person after the fact, like like two days after they've seen the movie, if I ask them, tell me one line of dialogue that villain said, mm-hmm. and. I think you can because you just you know your shit. You're that good, yeah. but I can't for the life of me tell you one thing that came out of Malekith's mouth because everything was just like, "I shall avenge my people," like just mm-hmm. the blandest crap possible. I don't even I can't even do his voice because I don't remember what he sounds yeah. like. He barely even talks a lot, so he he fails that metric for me, faux sure like a hundred percent. He is mm-hmm. not. No, he's a he's a very. I mean, he says things like he he only does. Like he only has like two lines of English. Like, yeah. Like, like the only scene he speaks English is uh was when he finds Frigga 
mm-hmm. in the throne room or not the throne room in in the I guess in the, the palace li- there the living room yeah sure the billiard room yeah sure whatever, whatever. Where they play snooker yeah and and he says something along the lines of um is uh Oh, I'm here for the ether. Where is it? And then she's like, "Oh, I will never tell you." And he's like, "Which?" And then, yeah, that's yeah, really it. It's, it's riveting stuff. Riveting, <laughs> so boring. Oh. Um, so, uh, and then he says, "Oh," and then he says to Thor, he has one one threat to Thor later on, where he's like, uh, "You need not travel all this way for me to kill you." Yeah. Anyways, boring stuff. But thankfully, that's offset because we get in my opinion, one of the coolest parts of this movie, which is the MCU's introduction to the Infinity Stones, because Odin's got this sexy magic book that he shows mm-hmm. to Thor and to Jane with moving pictures, and that's where he explains the Aether and says, this is one of these these uh, these things. I, I forget how he No, he doesn't it. say he doesn't say Infinity Stones. He doesn't He's, say Infinity Stones. He says Stones. Source of Power. Source of Power, but yeah. he makes it clear, I think, in that scene that it is one of six. Yes. Correct? Yeah. yeah. So that was our first drop of like oh shit but it's it's so vague it's yes. you can it's again until you get the validation in the post credit scene you still don't figure it out yeah i i would be amazed if anyone can come on and comment after rate uh, reviewing and subscribing and comment and saying oh i picked it up way before there's no way i'm sorry there's I, no way i'm gonna be honest I did. No, you I didn't. Did. I promise. You I thought did. you did. I'm but not, you were and wrong. I'm not good at. I'm not one of those people who's good at like calling things before they happen because mm. I just get too lost in the plot to care about trying to predict stuff. But no, because when you see Thanos, that's where my mind goes as Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, ooh, are they going to do this thing? And I remember there were already rumblings that like the Cosmic Cube was an Infinity Stone. And yes. Everything. Yeah. So that was already in my head. And then when I saw them talking about the Ether at the beginning. It was in a very similar way to the way Avengers opens talking about the Tesseract. Mm-hmm. So I sort of subconsciously made that connection. And then when Odin's going through this beautiful book and he's like, the ether is one of six sources of power. I was like, beautiful. Yeah. Here we go. This, we're, this is it. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. It wasn't like, it wasn't me being smart. It was just like, they, you're, they, you're picking up on the, the steps yeah. led there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I, but again, I would, I would argue that, yeah, everyone started maybe thinking about it, but I, I doubt anyone had it, had it until the validation at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and the battle scene is great. Um, and I, I love seeing, I wanted to see more of Odin and Frigga a little bit. Um, uh, and cause they kind of have a nice playful dialogue together. Um, Give them like two sex scenes. Come on. (laughs) Come on, Alan Taylor. Uh, I don't know, Anthony. No, Anthony Auburn's a beautiful man, but uh, I don't know, man. I I don't know if we, I don't think a lot of people want to see it as much as we would. You You want to see the old father? (laughs) Um, Do you mind if the Ravens watch? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so uh, we get the battle scene. um, But what I do like is, again, uh, Malekith does get some moment, but it's so brief is when he finally meets up with Frigga and he kills her, but like, it's, it's so small of a scene. Mm-hmm. Like she fights him a little bit and we kind of get to see Malik do a little, you know, cool, like elf battle. Yeah. Uh, like some elf sword play and stuff, but like he ends it so quickly and so easily, which I guess is trying to prove how evil he is. Um, and she gets killed, which I think is good because it definitely drives the, the, 
the stakes of the story. Oh, 100%. But, and what I love too is when Thor, you just hear him in the background. You don't even see him yet. You just hear, no! You see him run in, throw the lightning, and then you see the lightning hit Malika's face. And again, this is one of those things where if you're going to do it, you don't need to do it in order to tell us why he is the way he is. But they throw lightning in his face to show that, oh, yeah, now his face is half burned and now he's half alive. So now he looks like the comic book character. Comic book fans know why he looks like the way he looks like. We don't need a weird visual cue to, for the people in the back of the audience so that they know mm. that lightning made his face all half dead and half alive. I, you know, I didn't know this about him until you said it at the top mm. of this episode. And I think it would have just been a million times cooler if we just meet him and he's half a skeleton. Like, right? I, even if they don't explain why, I would have just been like, that's a cool, he's a really neat looking monster. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm on board. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he does kill Frigga. And it's, it's sad, and it, it does move a lot of stuff forward. But I noticed something. I noticed two really eerie things mm-hmm. that I think were worth bringing up. Because we get to, That's what he's supposed to look like. Oh, he's like. showing me a picture of... Showing you what it's supposed to look like. That looks wicked, man. Right? That's, I'd be afraid of that guy. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, I, I wish we had gotten that. Um, so Frigga's funeral. Mm-hmm. I noticed two things that are just like really eerie here. First of all, in Iron Man 3... The previous movie, there's a scene where Tony and and Jimmy Rhodes are. Um, it's it's during the climax when they're on the ship and they're having a gunfight. At some point, I can't remember what the context is, but Tony says something about a Viking funeral. Oh. He says that line during the firefight. Is it? Oh, because when they have uh, they have the president tied to the the thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right after they see the the president. Yeah. So it. it he he says that and that line stuck with me and then when i watched this i was like oh yeah tony talked about a viking funeral and then to top it off the lighting mixed with the way they did the funeral procession and everything on asgard it looked exactly like another funeral from another big fantasy movie it looked like padme's funeral from revenge of the Sith. Uh... and who's present at this funeral natalie Portman. that's so true oh my god i didn't even think of that illuminati confirmed <laughs> there you go uh yeah so the, well i mean i like the frigga death sequence i mean it was just a cool way it's a again a cool way to dive into the culture of asgardians and and really mm. expand upon them um and the music was beautiful during that funeral mm, too. so beautiful now this is this is where the movie again the movie ebbs and flows for me like it, it either has moments where i'm like kind of like okay this is not where i want it to go and there's moments where i'm like this is the best thor movie ever um, where this, and again, speaking of which, is when Thor goes talks to Loki. Yeah, this is, I think, without a doubt, the most powerful scene in the movie. Yeah, so yeah. so he, he mentions to uh, Heimdall and Sif and, and Volstag that, like, okay, we gotta, we get, you know, and Fandral and all that, that we gotta, you know, do this kind of thing. We gotta, we gotta, Odin's off his rocker, he's not thinking straight. And, uh, and again, Anthony Hopkins, every scene he does is, Honestly, every scene Anthony Hopkins has in Thor are all amazing. Yeah. They're all so well done. Where he's like, what makes you better than them? And he just laughs at him. He's like, ha ha. <laughs> like, it's just so, yeah. like, I don't know, again, I don't know what's scripted and what was a choice. Because that felt like a choice, and he just nails it. Um, I feel like in real life, he is Odin. Mm-hmm. And he's just not, he's, he's, he's just, just not telling yeah. us, yeah. Um, so, so anyway, so he realizes that Offer's rocker and he's not thinking straight. So we need to do what's right for the, and this is where Thor again, 
learns that lesson of um learns that lesson of humility and understanding Mm -hmm. what battles to fight and what battles not to fight and he understands like we need to do what's right here and not just fight a battle which is something thor struggled with in the first one right yeah um so he goes and breaks loki out and i love the loki scene oh my god it's just so good and and you see like i love that the he goes none of, none of your magic and stuff and then you see him destroy the room like uh, the room's destroyed the, the mcu is so friggin good mm-hmm. at taking you know establishing a character's powers yeah and then using it in ways we don't expect that are really really cool like even something as simple as last time in iron man 3 mm-hmm. where he's trapped underwater so his glove comes off turns around, picks him up, and pulls him out of the water. Mm-hmm. Same thing here. We know by now, because we've had two other movies with him, Loki casts illusions all the time. So here's a way to like, take uh, a moment that we recognize and be like, but watch us turn it into something powerful. It's not yeah. just something that he uses in combat. Like It's a powerful moment. Ah, oh, mm-hmm. I can't get enough of those. Well, he, 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 and, and it, it, it's so beautifully pointed out that you're, what you're saying here is, is that not only that is like, Thor is starting to figure out, like Thor is learning. Mm-hmm. He's figuring out how Loki plays. And what the best part is from a character perspective is Loki still tries to fool Thor in the sense that, in the sense he's like thinking he's above all that. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's like, he's like, yeah, freaking died. What, who cares? Right? Like he's like, oh, you're here. Like already taunting him, making fun of him. And he's like, look, you come to me now. And Thor's like, no, you know what? Enough of this. Let's 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 talk for real for a minute. Yeah. And then the spell's off, and you see the room destroyed, and he's just broken, mm-hmm. and you can see he's broken, um, which is interesting because again, going back to the Loki miniseries that's going to be on Disney Plus, um, this Loki left during the events of Avengers, yeah. so so this Loki doesn't know that, or uh, like, does he go back? Does he watch that storyline from that world Mm -hmm. and then realizes that she dies? And then he, he realizes that what doesn't matter if there's infinite possibilities, right? Like it's, it's a very kind of, uh, Mr. Fantastic slash Rick and Morty kind of approach to how Rick sees things where it's like, if there's infinite universes, why do these things matter? Yeah. So what does that do to Loki's character? And it's a it's a tricky business writing wise. Uh, like tricky. I, tricky man. I, I don't envy the writers of the Loki show because mm. you know, you have to create this entertaining show, whatever it's gonna be about. Mm-hmm. But like you're saying, this Loki hasn't learned. This Loki hasn't gone through the Dark World mm-hmm. or uh, Ragnarok or Infinity War. Or yeah, or yeah, Infinity War or Endgame. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, he wasn't alive in Endgame. Never mind. Yeah, Endgame. Yeah, he's gone. He's gonzo. Yeah. So like, how do you stay true to the character and tell a good story while like you don't want to piss off the audience by saying, yeah, well, that stuff doesn't exist. So like, mm-hmm. you got to be really careful, walk a fine line. I don't know how they're going to do it. Absolutely. And so, so again, this is a beautiful, and that's why this moment's so beautiful mm-hmm. in Thor Dark World for at least Loki anyway, in terms of the story, because this Loki is experiencing the end game experience for him, right? Yeah. Like Thanos is the end game for him. Um, so, so he's all broken up and then Thor is like, look, like, Thor's still fighting for hope that, like, look, we need to get this guy. This guy's obviously bad. We need to do something. And then Loki, this is where Loki becomes more of an anti-hero. And it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun. And it, and the humor plays in real nice here. Mm-hmm. Like, when he's walking out and he's like, 
um you know talking about being inconspicuous and and being all the things like the cat when he plays captain america it's fun yeah fun to see chris evans kind of have fun with that moment um do you remember the trailer um when, when the trailer came out i remember it being a big deal because you got this trailer mm-hmm. they show natalie portman again they show malekith and all the fighting stuff and everything and it was like okay it looks it looks fine yeah and then you get that ending to the trailer that stinger where it's like it's loki in the sound he's like you must be truly desperate and i remember in being in a movie theater and that trailer playing and when loki shows up every girl in that movie theater Mm -hmm. started screaming like oh my god it's gonna be the greatest movie ever made uh that was a big deal a Mm -hmm. returning villain coming back that doesn't happen too often in comic book movies Mm -hmm. so that was a big deal to have him there again this is his third movie and it ended up being you know, this portion to me is the best part of this movie. Everything yeah. that really happens on Asgard is the best part of this movie. It's all terrific stuff. It's so good. So so we get that. You're absolutely right. It's terrific stuff. And again, we're seeing more of Asgard. We're seeing a lot of interaction on Asgard as well. Um, and so uh, we get the, <laughs> I love that lady says like, uh, you betray him and I'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, I'll kill you. And uh, and then I love the repeat where he's like, betray him, and he's like, and you'll kill me? And <laughs> see, evidently, that will be a lie. You're like, just... that's the right sense. It's, it's the right timing for the humor. Yeah. Because it's, cause that jailbreak scene is so dark. It's so, and again, I don't like using the word dark, but it's so tragic and so serious. Um, and, and, and yeah, and then we get this funny, well-timed humor and and we see Thor, and then I love in the ship where he's like, "No, no, press the button." He's like, "I am pressing the button. It's not working." And it's it's just good. It's it's a good way to repick up that pace and introduce us into that action sequence mm. of the escape. And again, this is this is where I think that I love the Thandral we got with Zachary Levi because uh, he, was great. he delivered those lines beautifully. Like uh, when he's on the ship. And he's like, uh, you know, uh, less uh, your time in prison made you no less graceful. Like, yeah. it's all so well, well delivered. And uh, that and whole escape feels like a, a Star Wars action scene. To me. It does. It's it, so much yeah, fun. It does. And uh, and then we move forward into the uh, the scene where they try to confront Malekith and get the ether out of Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, even uh, I get that this world. I, I think what we're seeing is the the dark elf realm where uh, where Malekith's people reside, but it's supposed to look like a, essentially it's supposed to be a planet. It looks like one big grave, like graveyard. Ooh, so, but I didn't like the yellow tone to it. It, it I, but I, I agree that you couldn't do it gray either. Like I think they needed to find a way to introduce some color to it. Um, and I liked Loki's plan because it did feel like he did betray him, mm-hmm. but then it was a total reversal, and it was really well done. It was it was a good sequence right there. Yeah, even though like we know he's playing ball, mm-hmm. he's on board with with Thor. Um, yet for a minute, we get fooled. We, we're like, oh man, is he really gonna betray him? Like no. they just threatened his life twice, All right? And then he fools us, and he fools Malekith. Yeah, and he fools Malekith a second time because you think he gets. Mm-hmm. and it doesn't and he he legitimately fools thor that time yeah and you really see the power struggle um with uh and we also forgot to mention curse because he was in the prison you see the transformation right but his armor looks like in the in the comic book his armor he, he kind of has like this red shiny armor with like gold tips to it um and then he has this like cone head knight helmet with gold spikes that come out of the top 
which is the best way to describe it. But, I mean, I like the new approach. It's more tribal armor. But, uh, yeah, it's cursed, and you see him have a lot of fun, you know, breaking out of prison. I got to be honest. I could, if you were to show me a picture right now of, mm-hmm. of cursed in the movie, I wouldn't be able to, to point out that that's him. Like, he is so lost on me. Mm-hmm. He made zero impact. Uh, I just remembered a big dude. He's like, I'm, I'm big, I'm cursed. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's not that he's cursed. Well, his curse is, so Loki, or sorry, Malekith, Malekith and Curse's problem um, is, is not only that they're boring, is also that uh, their, their armor is invincible unless it's affected by iron. So this is this is a picture of what he looks like You're in the comics. A picture of Curse in the comics. Okay, see, that's memorable. Yeah, he's all yellow and red, and he's got like a skull thing on his midsection. Yeah, he kind of looks like something about his chin looks kind of scrollish almost too, mm-hmm. and he's got like a little magnet on his head. Yeah, he's got a little magnet. He's very. It's it's clearly a Jack Kirby design. Oh, very um, much so, Jack Kirby. Yeah. yeah, and and again, this is where my brother would really thrive. Uh, one day we'll have him as a guest on here when we can because you guys got to. Oh, that'd be awesome. You guys got Nick. Uh, Nick is Nick is definitely a huge Jack Kirby fan, and he could really tell you about all the designs. Mm. Um, but Curse is, uh, yeah. So Curse, anyway. So the the, the confrontation is there. Now here's. Here's again that talk about a breadcrumb that you start to realize we're dealing with the stones is that when he when he hits the uh, the liquid with lightning they turn into stones and fall apart. Oh yeah, so they they fall into little pieces of red red stones and fall apart, uh, and then they reliquify and then he still absorbs it. Um, so that's cool, I guess. Again, this is where Malachi's story could have been more. Again, if you understood the motivation that he's. Tr- Maybe he wants to bend reality to bring back his people and bring back mm-hmm. the darkness instead of, oh, Ether is going to allow me to bring back darkness into the world. Yeah. That's, that's not a... This could have been a cool opportunity to have a movie where the villain wins, where the villain gets what he wants, like yeah. Thanos. Because it's such a unique situation Malekith is in where he's like, I lost all my people. Imagine if, like you're saying, that's his drive and he's like, I want to bring my people back. And then despite it all, all the conflict, whatever, with Thor, at the end, he gets his wish. Yeah. And now the Asgardians have to learn, look, don't mess with this stuff again. Don't start these wars because it's your fault that this start this happened in the first place. Yeah, exactly. So so that would have been nice. So anyways, he gets his reality stone stuff and then he leaves. And so Thor loses, essentially, and he does technically win. Mm-hmm. Um and so I love that they go get Selvik out of the institution, yeah. uh, the, 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 the crazy institution. Now, there was a great, fun Thor moment in there where um, they're on, they're in the dark elf world, mm-hmm. and uh, Jane's cell phone rings, and it's that rap song. And she's oh, looks, they, they yeah. looking at each other for a bit, and Thor's just like, that's not me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wonderful line. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so I got to find it because... Yeah, it was Mr. Selvig. Oh, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, going back to the battle for a second, I did forget to mention this. So, uh, in that epic fight scene with Curse, Malekith, and uh, the and uh, Loki and Thor, um, Loki says uh, to uh, to Curse, "I'll see you in hell." So, what you don't, um, what what people most people assume is like hell, like mm-hmm. hell, hell, right? But what he's referring to is hell, the Asgardian afterlife, uh, and hell 
isn't like we imagine hell to be. It's a neutral place where all Asgardians go to die. And after uh, Loki's dialogue given reference to it, given how careful Asgardian dialogue has been up to now, uh, hell is guarded by Hela, the sorceress. Yeah. Now, this isn't... Now, when Ragnarok came out, we didn't get quite the uh, Hela we were expecting, but still, it's kind of nice to point that out. Now, is that Asgardian Hell, is that the same as Valhalla? Because that's where you go when you die. Uh, that's that's more like heaven? Yeah, it's more like heaven. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I just need to find... Uh, You're looking through your ancient Viking tome, yeah. which you keep on your Okay, table. so, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, Selvik has the chalkboard. Yes. What a lot of people don't know is that chalkboard is chalk-filled with Easter eggs. Well done. I'm going to drop your microphone on the floor. Mm -hmm. Here we go. You've earned it. Okay, so in the notes notes here, there's a a website I had to pull to in order to get this because it's it's a lot. There's Mm -hmm. a lot here. Um, So first of all, on the chalkboard, it does say Earth 616. Ooh, beautiful. So, okay, uh, utilizing chalkboard, he tells his fellow residents about the cosmic abnormalities. He uses two shoes uh, and visualizes point, his point, smashing them together, um, uh, the coming together of the nine realms. That is the point Stanley's usual cameo, uh, cameo occur, uh, occurs, and Lee uh, is revealed to be a fellow resident and proceeds, can I have my shoe back? However, what is going on in the background concerns uh, us here. On the chalkboard, there's a diagram of what appears to be the world tree, uh, a number of scribbled words depicting locations of calculations of Selvig's jo- uh, jotted down. Amongst them is the fault in which the rift in space uh, time is formatted, the War of Kings, a major plot point in the comic book arc, the Thanos Imperative. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond the fault lies the, the verse known as the Cancerverse, a universe where death itself is extinct. Uh, this could be a uh, meaningless Easter egg, but it could be a clue to the nature of Thanos' future involvement in the cinematic universe at that time which it leads to infinity war (sighs) and and see i was taking notes during selvig's shoe example so i missed all of that yeah the only thing i would have recognized was 616 but i didn't even see that i was looking at it's all there and now we've talked about how like we mentioned how great anthony hopkins is but i mean also i have to give props to stellan skarsgård this guy can deliver heavy exposition in his underwear, yep, and still make it sound good. Mm-hmm. He's he rock. I love Stellan. Well, and I liked it too because, again, I, I love how Earth is playing a role in this Marvel Cinematic Universe because, in the sense that, not only are we getting the Nine Realms, but of course, uh, there's a story. There's a story arc that there are fault lines. Or what they call cosmic fault lines that blur the reality between uh, different realms and Midgard. And, for example, the Stonehenge is one of them. And then he connects all the different points. And what he's connecting is the nine different realms into one center point where Malekith needs to be in order to use the reality stone. So that was really cool. Again, that is... You want to talk about, like, purest comic book stuff? You're not getting much closer than that. That, that I, I can appreciate it. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's well done stuff. Indeed. Uh, so then we get the the huge, uh, the huge battle uh, where, um, yeah. Uh, in Greenwich. Yeah, the huge thing in Greenwich. Which is where, it, it's interesting that that's where the apex is of all these fault lines that you're saying. Because that is the, the sort of the prime meridian, Greenwich Mean Time. That mm-hmm. is how the time zones, that's kind of where they start from. So... Yeah. 
it's it, it kind of has a basis in real science too so kudos to them for that as well right so okay so now we see malekith just like opening up the portals and all that and mm -hmm. we get uh thor darcy and that arriving i love how he, and actually there is the i love the scene where they talk about the fault lines the uh the fault lines in in the world and i love that um thor comes in and he hangs his hammer on the on the the, the yeah. coat hanger and then uh, uh, Eric Selvig comes up to him. He's like, oh, it's so good to see you. And he's like, your brother's not here, is he? He's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I mean, so sorry. Like, again, that was a fun little humor moment. Yeah. But again, so now we're at the battle, and Selvig's got it all figured out. Um, now we see the different portals open up in the top. Fun fact. Uh, another little thing I picked up on. So the nine realms begin to converge, and the audience gets a glimpse of a number of circular portals, several of them. Which appears to be uh, Musselheim, uh, the realm of fire. And Jim. Yeah. Uh, and inside the fire realm, amidst the backdrop of solid flames, there's a distinctive shape moving around. Surtur? Ooh, cool. Yep. Surtur is the fire demon uh, who brings upon Ragnarok. Yeah. So there was nod to Surtur in Thor Dark World. Wow. And that's all in those nine. Now, I, I picked up something totally completely different during that battle mm -hmm. um have you watched the witcher yet on netflix oh yes okay so where the guy's like hey you see him waving around the hammer you know that guy's the mage that's what i was gonna yeah. bring up yeah well done well done nailed it that's He's a great the mage show by the way the witcher. Oh, uh, we haven't I, even talked about that but that's a great show i i'm just gonna say this i had a crush on yennefer before she got hot you when know i what? saw her as the hunchback the i was ice. like yeah, she's she's a beautiful lady. Obviously, she's done up in makeup to look like a hunchback. Mm -hmm. But I bet you any money, she's a good-looking lady. And then sure enough. Not only is she just absolutely beautiful, but her approach to that character. Mm -hmm. You know, talk about great acting. Like, she had the body language. Like, yeah, cool, when man. she had the hunchback thing, she had the body language. She's shy, always leaning a certain way. Yeah. Head tilt a certain way. Even the little thing of the cotton ball in the mouth. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. whoever helped her do that or how she figured that out um also uh forgot one thing about the prison sequence uh we see some creatures in the background who are brought in uh to captivity same as algrim and curse uh these creatures are known as marauders in the comic books marauders are actually a group of mutant assassins Ooh. who are employed by the villain mr sinister mm-hmm Okay. Yeah, but however, because of the fact that Fox owns the movie rights to X-Men, um, the Marauders are different in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, portrayed as a large group, uh, relatively of ragtag, you know, nonsensical villains. Well, that article was clearly written in a different day and age, because guess who owns X-Men now? Back at Marvel, where they belong, even though I... You know, I didn't hate all the X-Men movies. They were fun. They were, um, for the most part, First fun Class time. was probably the best one, in my opinion. First Class. And that was the, surprisingly, that was the only one that Singer did not do. Ooh. But I will say X2 was pretty I loved good. X2. I loved Days of Future Past. I think X-Men 1 is, mm -hmm. is a decent X-Men 1 will always have a place in comic book history, being one of the first of its kind. So. Yes. Anything after Iron Man, there's no excuse for a bad comic book movie, in my opinion. Nah. So, so, um, but for me, it's First Class X two were probably the biggest. But I didn't like Future Past because you no, could have done no. some cool stuff with Bishop and Cable, and you didn't. Well, yeah, they definitely didn't do anything with Bishop. And what's my rule? 
What's our philosophy? If the cartoon does it better, yep. you got a problem. Maybe just... maybe, uh, maybe we'll do a sequel series um, called Mutant Rewatch or something. <laughs> the Mutant Agenda. And oh, we just go over oh the my God. There's so many movies to get through that were terrible. Uh, uh, X-Men 3, The Last End. Oh, why? why? Oh, boy. That's... Oof. That's a story. Yeah, that's a story for another. That's day. a painful one. Um, I definitely took my last stand with that film. Oh, hey, oh. Um, I, I have a note here that I, I really enjoy where um, Thor gets. Um, I forget why, but for some reason he's got to hop on a subway, and the lady, oh, because they, he goes through one of the reality portals. That's and, right. Yeah, yeah, he keeps like phasing in and out of the yeah. reality, and uh, the lady on the subway cops a feel, and I wrote down hashtag me too. Not cool, lady. You can't. No, you can't just do that. It's not cool. <laughs> Oh you man. You violated Thor. Yep. Without his consent. I <laughs> I mean, I, I love it though at the same time. Um I know you're joking. So <laughs> I love it though because like I love that Thor is also like, yeah, you know? Like, <laughs> like cuz again, it's it's that nice breakup breakup of thing. So um yeah, so the battle sequence is fun. Uh but again, Malekith just falls flat mm-hmm. as a villain. Um, literally because he gets crushed by his ship i will admit that is a cool way to die so terrible so t- <laughs> you you set up those bowling pins for me yeah but i i actually have that in my notes i think that that is admittedly a cool way to kill the villain yeah like he gets knocked into the other world and i'm like oh and I, for a second i'm writing down like oh yeah jane knocks him in the other world like is this it like is he still alive are we gonna see malekith again like i was like I, my mind went in a different direction because remember, I forgot so much of this movie. Mm-hmm. And then when the ship fall, like follows him through that portal and lands on him, I was like, that's a cool death. That is a big... Mm-hmm. like I can't remember how Aldrich Killian dies. I can't. I can tell you. <laughs> you, you um, I can tell you. I don't think you want to remember no, how No, I don't think... I, I, I don't even remember how... Oh, no, I do remember how Ironmonger dies. And I was going to say, like, I love Ironmonger, mm-hmm. but uh, I like, he got blown up by the thing. But there's... That that is a spectacular villain death. What happened to Malekith? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm glad that at least was something memorable about him. Yeah. <laughs> Again, you could have preserved the character. I think there's there's some more fun you can have with him. Um, because... Or just some fun you can have with him. Period. Because mm-hmm. we didn't have any of this. Oh, that's true. Uh, so yeah. So in the end, story's concluded. Um, and of course, we get the Loki death. Uh, that we didn't talk about either. So Loki um, has this fight scene with the curse. And I like how curse curse died the right way. When you have a big bruiser type of character, it's kind of cool to be kind of cool to outsmart him mm-hmm. and take him out that way. Um, but Loki's death. Now, I don't think anyone believed Loki died there. They do a good job trying to trying to take it that far. But even still, they give you a clue right out of the gate that he's still alive, like right out of the gate um and so uh so the battle's over thor goes back to asgard and obviously asgard's repairing all the damage that's been done but what's interesting is um we discover uh we discover that thor wants to go live in midgard do do his own thing you see that is that would rather be a good person than a great king mm-hmm. which is a, a beautiful line mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh and uh and yeah and then odin odin again anthony hopkins stealing the scene uh but what i like about it what i like about the whole thing is that uh is that odin is sitting or the way they do loki's position is like the most traditional position that you can have for loki on the throne Ooh. 
There's a very interesting. You can find numerous comic book covers of him sitting that way in in there. That is really cool, man. Mm-hmm. And and again, Anthony Hopkins doing a very subtle thing where he's not telegraphing it. Yeah. He's not being like, Ooh, I'm Loki. Hey. He's just he's doing his thing. Mm-hmm. He's talking to his son. Um, and it, it's coming out in the emotion. Like you can feel that Loki wants to it's almost like and this is such a Loki thing to want, but because it's supposedly just Thor and Odin in a room together, it's almost like he's trying to bait Thor into talking about Loki more so that he can be like, I loved my brother, father. You were wrong to do what you did. Like he's trying to bait him to start having that conversation. You mm-hmm. can feel that in the air. Yep. And it doesn't happen, but Loki's like, oh, well, that, yeah, I got plenty of time. There's nowhere else to go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, no, is is wonderfully done. Um, so yeah, so then, uh, then we get the Jane scene explaining that, you know, she's waiting for Thor again and we don't want to know, you know, we don't want to know that clearly it doesn't last long because in Ragnarok they break up. Um, I just, I'm actually very curious to see how Tyke is going to fix Jane Foster as a character. It is interesting. Cause you're right. Like the post credit scene is her, like is Thor coming back to her apartment and she's mm-hmm. like, Oh my God. And they have this big romantic kiss, mm-hmm. which I don't even think you get in the movie itself. Like they save that big romantic kiss for the post credit scene. Mm-hmm. And then she's just gone. She's not in Thor three. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they fix that yeah. and make it worthwhile. Like make that post credit scene worth being a post credit. Yeah. Um, actually I think that, uh, I think that, I personally think Tech is going to be pretty smart here, and I think you're actually going to get your Donald Blake reference, as we talked about in Thor, because what did Jane say with Donald Blake? Great with people, not great with relationships. Ooh. And that's what Thor is right there. Want some aloe for that burn, Donald? Yeah. <laughs> so I think we might see some sort of relation to that, that, that Jane just doesn't isn't able to find a good relationship because she always goes for these people right. that seem to care a lot. And that could be her story arc is mm-hmm. that she seems to be falling in love with people who fall in love with just being good and helping people. Yeah. How funny would it be if uh, we see Donald Blake for like a bit and he's played by like Liam Hemsworth? I would love would that. Would that be hilarious? Oh my God, I would love that. Well, I, I, they did that with uh, with Ragnarok where he's um, Thor in that one. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because uh, they have uh, uh, Matt Damon as Loki. And uh, they have the least favorite Hemsworth brother as like <laughs> oh, Liam. Oh, Liam. Um, but now that mid credit scene, mm. I know you've got some juice there. My oh my yeah. God. So And, and I, I want at some point in the future to have an episode of, of Infinity Rewatch where it's us ranking the mid credit scenes. I want to oh, do yeah. a ranking villain. We got to do well. that at the end. Yeah. But I, I can already tell. This is going to be high on your list. Of this credit scenes. This is definitely in my top three. Um, this is this was huge, and I, I have a very fond memory of it because uh, my brother and I uh, went to see Dark World. Uh, at this point, my brother and I were in the habit of uh, of of like going to every single pre screening and like watching these movies. Um, and at that point, we were like, "Yeah, Thor, Thor two was good. It was mm. it was it was good. You know, it, it, was, it was all right. You know." Um, but, uh, so we get there and my brother almost like leaped out of the seat because we get, uh, uh, Benicio del Toro in in probably a coolest performance, uh, for Marvel character, which is the collector. Mm -hmm. And I even love like how, how weird he is. Like, he's like, um, he's like, what is her name? Karina or whatever. He's like, Karina, you know, Mm. 
do your people have elbows brush harder right like kind of thing um benicio is so like sorry sorry to cut you off but like mm -hmm. he you know there's some actors like like christopher walk and nicholas cage who are known for playing weird characters and they're famous for it yeah benicio i think needs to be more famous for playing weird he doesn't get enough credit he doesn't one of his earliest roles ever was he was a, a bond henchman in um license to kill in no 1987. Oh, wow. And, um, like, he he attacks Bond's two friends who have just gotten married. He attacks them, and I think it, it's implied that he killed the wife. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, Bond is like, what did you do with her? And Benicio Del Toro's line is, don't worry, man. We gave her a nice honeymoon. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. I got to see I gotta see that now. I haven't, I have not watched that. But what I love, what I love is, like, oh. Asgardians. He does this yeah, weird yeah, bow. bow. Yeah, and but okay, so you see a lot of Easter eggs in there. Um, you see the cocoon of Adam Warlock. Yes. Uh, right out of right out of the gate. Um, so a little preemptive because now we know Adam comes about in a different way. Well, he comes out in the proper way. Yeah. Uh, which is which is that the Sovereign Planet? Uh, they actually do create Adam Warlock, very similar to how it was portrayed. Um in the uh in the movie and but the, that is adam's cocoon uh but yeah james gunn actually does clarify and, and change it up a little bit mm-hmm. uh saying that yeah it's a, you know it's a cocoon it's just not not that not that one mm-hmm. uh so anyway so um we also see some other creatures in there uh and then he says the line and he's like oh he's like why not keep it in your own vault right and he's like, a Tesseract is already there. And he's like, it's unwise to keep two Infinity Stones so close together. And right there. Uh, is I, that when Nick jumped out of his seat? That's when both of us jumped out of uh, the seat. My brother jumped out of the seat right at the beginning when he saw the Collector. And then he sat back down. And then we both jumped out of the seat when it was... So uh, does the Collector in the comics look a lot like that? Like, to make it that instantly recognizable? Actually, yes. Be... It's it's pretty close. I wow. mean, he's kind of portrayed as a little bit of an older man. Um, I will, I will pull up a picture for you. And, and actually quite honestly, um, uh, because, um, what's his name? Oh my God. Uh, Jeff Goldblum plays, uh, the grand master. They're actually related. Oh yeah. They're actually, yeah, these guys all have a name, right? These, these aren't the Eternals or the Celestials, mm-hmm. but there's something else. Yeah. Like that. So oh, there's wow. a picture yeah, of him. Yeah. Collector. That looks a lot like. honestly it's like the costume the costume we're seeing is a bit more 70s design but Mm -hmm. but like the look is there it is it is you couldn't get more accurate with modernizing especially the hair and the eyes yeah yeah oh so that like just seeing that right away nick knew and he was just just on yeah on point right so um because at this at at this time as we were progressing further with marvel movies my brother got into just reading every comic book he get his hands on and mm-hmm. i will tell you like you want someone who's who's actually read every single comic he's read pretty much every yeah. single comic uh his biggest ones are x-men hulk fantastic four and then like you know insert cosmic comics that i can little jinx yeah. yeah anyway so we both jumped out <laughs> of our seat but we both jumped out of our seat but there's a moment where he's like one down five to go mm-hmm. and that's it and then the credits kick in and literally the audience had a moment i'll never forget this the audience had a moment of like did that just happen and everyone and then you just hear in the theater like a collective oh my god and it was just oh yeah because you, you said you were at a pre-screening so everybody there is a marvel fan 
Oh yeah, if you go to a pre-screening, you're you're gonna meet you're either gonna meet the best and worst of the Marvel fans. That's period. so cool. I wish I could have watched you guys watch this movie. Oh man, yeah, we had we were uh, we were losing our minds when that happened. It was it was just because like at that point you knew you're getting the Infinity Saga yeah. and like you're just like oh my god they could go and then that is what kicked off the speculation of like where the story's going. Right, because that's where the the clock starts ticking. That's where you know mm-hmm. like oh. Like he, he pretty much spells it out. I'm going to collect all five, all six of these things. Yeah. So. So you know that it, at this point you know that it's the collector that's either going for them or is then is or is he hired by Thanos? Hmm. But not only that is that you now know that the story arc is Infinity War, but yeah. you don't know if it's going to be the Secret Wars or you don't know if it's going to be what it is. But at this point, the speculation train left the station and everyone's on it. And this was, I believe, I could be wrong, but this movie came out before that big announcement at the El Capitan Theater when they basically told everybody what the slate was and yeah. they announced Infinity War. Yeah. This was before that, mm-hmm. this movie. So yeah. this really kick-started that. And from that point on, up until like Avengers Endgame, mm-hmm. we've been following that story. Well, yeah, because actually that presentation, I don't think it happened before Dark World. It happened after Dark World. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, Dark yeah. World came first. That yeah, Dark World came first. Yeah. And and it was interesting because they showed you, they're like, okay, we got these phases. And, you know, they introduced Captain America movie and they said, oh, it's going to be called the Serpent Society. And everyone's yes. like, oh my God, it's going to be Serpent Society. And, um, and yeah, and because there has been mentions of Roxxon, the Roxxon Corporation mm-hmm. in Iron Man, in the Iron Man series there as well. So there was some hint of that, and then he's like, "No, actually, we're calling it Civil War," and everyone's like, "What?" Yeah. And then, and yeah, and then we found out that Guardians is going to be there, but still, they did a good job of not, like, they did a good job of not giving you clues as to where you're going to find the Infinity Stones because it, yes. it definitely is not linear to the comics in that sense. And I like that. I like that they put them in different places and mm-hmm. everything like that, and it was like this fun scavenger hunt. Oh man, they had crazy theories. There was a theory I read about just before uh, Infinity War because that was the final, the introduction of the final gem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what was crazy about it was like people had acronyms that like if you put the Infinity Stones in a certain order, it spells yeah. Thanos. Yeah, that's right. And, and they said that no one knew, no one could figure out the H. And then that's when everyone started pegging down that Heimdall was the last carrier of the yes. soul gem because it makes sense and all that stuff. Because there was, there was like Tesseract, yeah. Aether. Um, oh boy, I don't know what the N, O, and S were. <laughs> uh, um, S was Scepter. S was Scepter. Uh, and then... Um, the, oh, the green one. Uh, no, the green one was uh, the Eye of, of Agamotto. So Agamotto. Agamotto. Oh. Yeah. And then what are we missing? And purple. And the Guardians. Oh, movie. yeah. It was... Um, oh, my God. Was <sighs> uh, that... No, uh, no, it was... Uh, oh, what was it? I can't remember That's now. Fear. Did it have a name? Or was it... No, it was just called The Orb. Maybe that's the O. Oh, yeah, that was the O. O was the Orb. So N is... The Nye of Nagamoto? <laughs> no, there was there was a theory. I, yeah, I, I remember this acronym, and it yeah. made sense, too. And I remember people saying, like like you brought up, like Heimdall is the key to all this. Mm-hmm. And then that, it turned out that wasn't the case. But you're right. Like, it just happened to spell out Thanos, whether yeah. intentional or not. 
Yeah, so that was the that was the big thing. But at the same time, though, even when you compare the colors in the comics, guys, by the way, colors were never distinctive. In every comic book run, there were different colors every mm. single time. Like, uh, like uh, the one most people are familiar with because the video games did it was that the green was the soul gem. Uh, green was soul gem. Red was power. No, red was reality. Orange was space. Blue was. Oh man, I'm really freezing on this stuff. Uh, blue, no. Orange was. Orange was time. Space. Blue was time. Blue being time makes sense. Yes, blue yeah. is time, and then yeah, I, I can't remember, but they were mm. they were always very different, and um, it was very hard to follow. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that they kind of, they they gave the stones their own kind of continuity mm. and made it less fluid than it was back then. I, I, I like the way the movies did it. No, no. Uh, uh, orange was mind. Yellow was time. Blue was space. Oh, okay. Yeah. So some of it was kind of accurate, but some of it was way off. Mm. Um, so yeah, so there was a, yeah. So I like that the movie kind of just did their own thing. Kind of just, it's just kind of like, cause again, I there were some moments where I'm like, oh man, I would love to see like, you know, the soul stone to be green, but at the same time, I'm like, no, like let's see where this goes, and yeah. let's see how this plays. Just let out. it be what it has to be. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, Thor Two Dark World. Thor Two Dark World. Now, I um, I I feel like um one of the, like one of the things I love so much about Marvel movies, and I brought this up a lot, is just how bright and colorful they all are. Mm-hmm. They're so freaking, especially Infinity War, man. Yeah. All the posters for Infinity War was like a rainbow. It was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, like this movie, Thor the Dark World, had to have been the least visually appealing one. It was so <clears throat> dark and gray and dour. Even the, the credits were black and white. Yep. Uh, and it it's like you're you're in London, so it was always overcast and rainy. Or you're in the Dark Elf realm, which is all just like bleak. Yep. The only time you got color is the best parts of the movie when you're in Asgard, and that doesn't last for very long. Nope. Uh, so that really put a damper on everything, too. It was kind of like, I I have a, I don't hate Solo, the Star Wars movie Solo. It's not one of my favorite Star Wars movies, but I found that the the movie had such a dark shroud over everything. It was always so gloomy. And I, I feel like, even though it's such a superficial thing, I feel like if that had just been lit better as a movie, I would have liked it a little bit more. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like this has the same thing. Like you, you have this beautiful, colorful universe. I mean, you showed me a picture of what uh, what Curse looks like, and I'm like, damn, that would have been bright reds better. and golds, yeah, red and gold instead of just gray and black. Yeah, and Malekith is the same, gray and black. Like those two are so interchangeable. Yeah, it's and it it just it didn't look nice. It didn't feel nice. And at the end of the day, when I was I was looking at my notes, I'm like. I think I can officially say it's my least favorite because mm. I was so checked out the whole time. Like it did not make me care. Yeah. Actually, uh, I will say that Iron Man three and Thor two dark world are definitely in the bottom of my list. They were mm. definitely near the bottom. Um, Thor two actually ranks a little bit higher because again, there are like that end credit scene just sells me on a lot. Um, it does sell a lot, um, but also Loki and Thor's story really shapes up here. And it gets really interesting for me. Now I'm adding to our character encyclopedia, mm-hmm. which we've been keeping up with. So I've got Malekith, I've got Curse, both of them Good. introduced here. Good. Um, I feel like I need to put the Collector mm-hmm. in here. Oh, and look at this. 
How, how's this for connections? The collector alphabetically is right under Christine Everhart, <laughs> who is also yeah. a nihilist. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, who else was introduced in this that we have not met before? I think that might be it. There's not a whole lot going on here in Thor The Dark World. Mm-hmm. Um, that monster, by the way, that we see in the, the end credit scene who got like sucked into London and the monster's running amok. Did they ever address that again? That monster? Did that ever come back? In like Agents of Shield or something, where it's like we got to get this monster out of England. Oh no, that's the the frost dog thing. That's yeah. um oh he has a name and I totally forgot it. Uh, oh man, ah oh, that's nope nope I've lost it. There's no way I'm getting that one. Uh oh, bye frost dog. We hardly knew you. Yeah, no, he has a name. It's gonna kill me. I'll figure that one out later. I'll, I'll get right. back to you on that one. Our our cemetery is starting to fill up though. We've got curse in here. Mm-hmm. We've got Malekith in here, yeah, and we've got poor Frigga. In oh here as yeah, well. we got Frigga. She mm. is. She is. Though our, we do get to see her later on. We do get to see her later on, but yeah, she is. The cemetery's filling up with graves. Um, so it looks like it's time to rate this movie. But before we do, I have a I have a question for you. I have a, I have a speculative question. Mm-hmm. Um, when we get Ragnarok, we we really see how. Waititi embraces the just balls to the wall, very Star Wars wackiness yeah. of the Thor universe. Yeah. And like Star Wars itself, Thor's universe really does a good job of mixing the medieval fantasy with sci-fi stuff and magic. It has recently come out in the news, speculative, uh, just theories, but it has recently been said in the news that um, it's almost confirmed that star wars's next movies are going to take place in what's known as the high republic which is 400 years before the phantom menace what kind of parallels do you think we could see judging by how thor's world was designed what do you think we could see in a star wars movie to show that yes this is still the same world that has lightsabers and laser guns but it's in the past how do you think we could we could show that that's a good question um I don't know. I honestly, because like, to be honest, like you couldn't get closer to the beginning of time than this battle of light versus dark. Yeah. Like Boar with Boar and uh, and Malekith. Um, but the interesting thing is that we, I love that like Captain America is kind of the earliest period we see in the MCU timeline with the the World War, mm-hmm. uh, Second World War, and. And then we get a glimpse of the 70s in Infinity, no, in Endgame. Mm-hmm. And then we get the 80s with uh, Ant-Man. Um, but in terms of like Asgard, oh my God, you could, I think what we're not seeing is again, why don't you do like, you know, uh, why don't we do like the, the Odin sleep before the, you know, the events of Thor's coronation, yeah. right? um that's kind of the thing i'd like to see uh and like i think uh actually you could do if you're going to do it that way what you would do is uh the the battle with surter and why because he said because uh, uh thor's opening line was uh he's like thor son of odin and then he's like surter son of a bitch you're still alive yeah you know that thing so uh so that i would love to see i would love to see that battle but 
I, in terms of that distinctly huge gap of a timeline, I mean, I don't know where you would go with that, to be honest with you. It's tricky. It's yeah. tricky. And I, I, I like to think that you oh uh you could do uh you could do Odin uh and uh Hella when they went on that uh, rampage. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you, with you uh, could... with the real Frost Wolf, which is mm. Furnace, I think it's Furn- Furnace. That's a very ironic name for a Frost Wolf. I uh, know. Uh, but yes, which is uh, actually in Ragnarok because that's Hella's wolf. That's right. Yeah, she's got wolves there. Um I yeah, I think that there's like in terms of what this this other time and star wars could look like i think there's a very real chance it could look a lot like thor and even going farther back to like the ancient days of the old republic and star wars that Mm. i think would be beautiful if they make it look like thor so i really hope they Mm. draw some parallels there well and and i was watching actually a recap of star wars uh coincidentally just before you arrived and one thing uh talking about star wars real quick that um that I would like to see was how, because apparently the Jedi in Phantom Menace had talked about how the Jedi, you know, essentially brought world peace uh, before. And then, you know, then it put the uh, Sith into hiding and now the Sith have to do a new strategy in order to mm-hmm. wipe out the Jedi, which is what we see in the events of the Star Wars we know. Yeah. So, yeah, I would like to see that. Um, I, again, I think what they've, what they've proved is at this point when you do something like the Mandalorian, you could just, you could really just kind of do your own thing as long as you respect the culture and lore of the type of, um, a type of tribe you're doing. So mm-hmm. for example, with the Mandalorians, you know, you know, you focus on the particular Mandalorian whose name escapes me at the moment. Din, Majin, Din Djarin. Din Djarin. Mm-hmm. Um, is is you see how they practice the religion and and again i think that's what we need to see in terms of prequel but with asgardians it's the same kind of thing is like if you're going to do that um really you i think i think you're going to be pleasantly surprised with thor love and thunder at the time of this recording it was just announced that christian bales in talks for a very important character Mm -hmm. which i believe he's going to play the god butcher um no, there, there's whispers of beta ray bill which i hope yeah. we see because that that feels like it fits with what taika waititi has been doing yes uh it does feel like it but that's only because we saw that one cameo shot in the grandmaster's palace of the heads right uh there was a beta ray bill there and is he is beta ray bill a villain uh no he's a uh he's an ally to thor oh okay i didn't i thought he was like an evil he's also in that cartoon i talked about yes so... that cartoon that i will watch eventually yes indeed so now, if, if who also has an episode tied with Surtur? fun fact i like Surtur a lot he's a cool he's yeah. a cool character so we gotta we gotta rate this on a scale of zero infinity stones to yep. six infinity stones yep. or a gauntlet if you want to give it a gauntlet something Doubt tells me gonna happen you will something tells me we're both giving a gauntlet today i would love to see that sir i'm gonna before we say this i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna tell i'm gonna remind both of us and the audience, what we gave to Thor 1. Okay. Both of us gave the first Thor movie two stones. Ooh. Okay. Mm. Would you like me to go first or would you like to go I first? feel like as you are the the lead creator of the show and uh, <laughs> also one of the hosts, I would say you should go first. Well, after considering we, it... Also, I need to pause for a second because Iron Man 3... We didn't review our last two reviews of Iron Man 
too. That's true. But okay. But anyways, anyways with Thor, yes, go. After considering it and looking back over this, like the, I had to ask myself, I'm like, what do I like more, Thor one or Thor the Dark World? And I hope your answer is Thor Dark World. At the end of the day, I like Thor one. Really? A little bit better. Oh my god! Because I, I gave the Dark World one point five stones. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And those 1.5 stones are basically everything that we see happening on Asgard because all those scenes are lit, fam. Mm, wow, you went savage on this one. Yeah. That's really um, brutal. I, I just, at the end, like, again, I, I go back to that note I have where I was like, I'm watching a Marvel movie, taking notes, and I'm just, I'm so checked out. I don't even care. And that never happens in Marvel. So clearly something is going wrong here that is is uh is just a step below everything else and again that's not it wasn't like that for the whole runtime mm. but for most of it i'm just like oh boy this movie's still happening huh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so wow. i had to go with 1.5 and i am fairly certain i'm never gonna go lower than that in the rest of the mcu oh, i hope i hope you never meet a movie considering that, where we're going yeah. um wow like i, I hope, did not uh, expect you to go that low yeah i'm sorry uh so you liked this more than Thor one? I did. Yeah, I genuinely did. So it's getting more than two stones, probably. It's it's actually gonna get uh, a, a, the same as Iron Man three, which is three stones. Three stones from Ryan. And I'll tell you why. And the reason is is first of all, we got way more Asgard. We got a lot more Asgard, regardless of the fact that Malekith kind of fell flat, mm-hmm. in my opinion um but we got way more asgard uh we got an incredible story between loki and thor Mm -hmm. which was a lot of fun um and i will say though the game of thrones aesthetic did not take off as well as it should have some of the battle scenes were a lot of fun Mm -hmm. um loki's breakout was a lot of fun yes it was uh overall they they committed with the villain. The villain wasn't a terrible lie. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't a terrible lie. Um, right. I would have loved to have seen more. Uh, and Frigga's, Frigga's story in this one was really good. Yeah. Uh, even though she had very small, small scenes, I think she had a huge impact. Um, and also a big redeeming factor is the uh, post-credit sequence. It is a very good post-credit sequence. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie about that. I, honestly, the post-credit sequence alone deserves a stone. Deserves <laughs> deserves a stone. Well, there's a stone in it, so there you go. Yeah. Um, it it's it wasn't uh, it was close. I will tell you that Thor one and two are very close for me. Yeah. Um, and I think what puts Thor one above this again, just by a, a like a fraction by like 0.5 stones, is that, um, it was visually nicer mm-hmm. um the i feel like lady sif and the warriors three had a better story i feel like thor had a better story arc mm-hmm. um and i feel like i remember every single moment of the fight between thor and loki during the climax right i remember barely anything of the fight between thor and malekith during the climax except right. malekith getting crushed by a ship and i just saw that movie like five days ago. So, <laughs> so clearly yeah. there's the impression is that, and like, again, it's super close, but Thor one just wins out. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a tough one. It's a real That's fair. tough one. That's fair. Yeah. No. But I'm so glad that the franchise hit a home run after its third attempt at bat. That's like, true. How great was it 
for Ragnarok. And so out. unlikely to. And, mm-hmm. and I can't wait to talk about that film because that film has a special place in my heart, actually. Um, but uh, but talk about talk about a turnaround that no one was expecting. Like, mm-hmm. like first of all, you get this director out of nowhere. And, and funny enough, um, I owe it to my fiance because she pointed out to me uh, Taika's work uh, before Ragnarok. So I actually had an idea. But at the same time, I didn't know what he was going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll never forget the social media impact of it because, uh, first of all, I the, the only mo- work I've seen him in beforehand was, uh, first of all, I, I was reminded that he was in Green Lantern. Oh wow! Who was he in Green Lantern? The best friend of Hal Jordan. Really? Like he the holds other pilot? the la- he holds the no he holds the lantern. And he's like responsible. You. That's him. Wow. That's him. Yeah. Wow. And then uh, and then not only that is uh, what we do in the shadows. Uh, he did that one with I the love vampire. What we do in the shadows. And I, again, that was a movie I saw before the before they announced that he was going to be in Ragnarok. So he did this comedy about vampires, which was hilarious. By it the way, it was incredible. so funny. Um, and, and then I remember distinctly remember when the trailer came out, which blew my mind. Cause first of all, the Led Zeppelin music just kicking mm-hmm. off and it was just like, what? And then the, the title screen yeah. with the eighties effects, which oh, was really boy. cool, but I can't wait to get to this movie. I, I can't wait to get to it. But not only that, um, I saw, uh, Kevin Smith do a reaction video and I normally don't watch those cause like it doesn't matter who it is like what i i personally feel watching someone like what react to something is is it's not for me it's no. one thing to podcast and discuss it it's another thing to just watch somebody react to what, yeah. what they're watching yeah no thank you but kevin smith kevin smith did a brilliant one because because he's already watched it so he is describing his his experience with it so he does he kicks it off and he's like, and he's like talking about all the cool things, and he just gushes. And this is a guy who essentially is the mascot for DC, mm-hmm. and he's just gushing over all this Marvel stuff. And I know he's a comic book fan, period, but he's gushing over it. And he's like, and I remember at the end, he's like, he's like, take all of my money, take my kids' money. Like he's just like, <laughs> take my kids like he's just gushing over. And he's like, uh, and he's like, uh, the, oh man, what do you say? He's like, I just. He's like it just exploded, and he's like it's more explicitly. But, yeah, but yeah, I'm trying to be a little more censorship here. But um, yeah, but I love that. He's like, take all my money, take my kids' money. Like, like it's so good. It's it was just such a such a delightful surprise. And then you see Hulk in it. Oh mm. my god, I could just gush all day. But it was so good, and I will never forget to the description because after the trailer came out, the description was, um, Taika said he wanted to do a movie. That reminded him of planes, trains, and automobiles. And, it, and I'm like, how in God's green earth are you going to do a Thor movie that's going to feel like planes, trains, and automobiles? Like, that doesn't make any sense. That's one of my favorite movies in the world, by the way. Oh, is there? I really? love planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, uh, well, that is the hurdle that is Thor the Dark World. Yes. It is a hurdle we have to hop over. Yeah. And it's and we recorded this just after New Year's, mm. uh, so now we're in the new year. We've gotten through the two two lowest Marvel films, lowest rated Marvel films, and now it's just a fun ride from here on it is in. Smooth sailing. We are on to Captain America: Winter Soldier. I was humbly corrected after uh, recording. I thought it was Guardians because technically 
when you do post credit, that's the next film. That's right. Uh, but uh, they actually pushed back Guardians, mm-hmm. uh, and they did. They moved up uh, Winter Soldier. So, Winter Soldier is by far one of my favorite oh, Marvel yes. Cinematic Universe uh, movies. So, yeah. so we're in for a treat. Yes, actually, I would still say it's my favorite solo film. My favorite superhero solo film. You know what? I might uh, wait, do. Do the Guardians movies count as solo films? No, because it's a team. Because it's a team, yeah. So I might end up agreeing with you. We'll see. We'll see where we are. Um, does Ragnarok count as a solo film? Yes, it does. Okay, so maybe my heart might be there, but again, Winter Soldier. These three: Iron Man three, Thor: The Dark World, and Winter Soldier. I have seen once each really so this rewatch for me is going to be spectacular because winter soldier finishes that trifecta Mm -hmm. and then i get to go into the ones that i'm more familiar with like guardians and ultron and stuff Mm -hmm. but i can't wait because i remember walking out of winter soldier and being like that was the empire strikes back with captain america take my kids money (laughs) take all my kids money (laughs) i don't even have kids yet but the money i was saving for them take it uh but that's thor the dark world wow thank you for i I don't think i could have gone on this journey without you Ryan. i don't think i could have dived into the world of malekith and his unimaginably boring uh uh story uh without you by my side oh, to be like look how man. great his costume looks so uh, this is the this is uh, as as i always compliment this is definitely a dream for us um and i'm so glad we're doing it man and mm. so next episode we have or our next series of recordings we have winter soldier and guardians and then after that we have all age of ultron and ant-man yeah, yeah we're blazing through phase two already and phase two is a quick one and that, no that will be it that yeah. will, we're done phase two mm-hmm. and, and then, then we're on three, to civil war is it after that I always forget what started Phase Three. I think it is Civil War. Yeah, I think it's Civil War and then Doctor Strange and yeah. then uh, yeah, well, Ooh, and then we're already we're already uh, there. But uh, yeah, by the t- I think I think viewers, uh, as we go through this, will be on par to be able to review Black Widow by the time it comes out. By as as at a rate of progression, I think we might be. And even if not, like even if we still have movies left, mm-hmm. I think when Black Widow comes out regardless of where we are in the timeline we'll stop and that week we'll just talk about black widow just makes sense that makes sense Uh, i'm looking forward to seeing that with you because i haven't seen a marvel movie with you since infinity war it's been too long it has and infinity war was fun but uh, i'm actually glad to be uh be going back to a pre-screening with you man because yeah yeah, we haven't done that because like you got into this whole movie review stuff and i'm Mm. like man when is he gonna invite me (laughs) then we got but we got infinity war so that that was important that that got really emotional Oh yeah, and left left everyone with a lot of questions. Anyways, it's a society ride. I, we hope you guys continue to join us here on the Rebel Scum Podcast Network as we are Infinity Rewatch here with uh, Andrew Fantasia and myself. We hope you rate, review, and subscribe and join us on this journey because we are having a blast and we want you guys to have a blast with us because this is a fun discussion. Mm, and send us comments and things and just saying things like we love your sultry voices because yeah. we like hearing things like that. Oh, we love it. We do. And, uh, and, and until next time, please, for the love of God, have a marvelous day.